So about eight years ago or so, um, I came home, looked at my wife in the eyes, and said, I love somebody more than I love you. And it was kind of silent, like this happened right there. It's just like, <gasps> and I said, yeah, I love Jesus more than I love you. And she's like, oh, okay, all right. But then she, like, she told me later on, it's like, I kind of got offended like that. It's like, you love somebody else more than you love me? And I said, yeah. And it wasn't always necessarily like that. Um, because before of this experience of my life, I truly loved her probably than I, more than I loved Jesus, honestly. And I loved this church more than I even loved Jesus. And then, of course, I loved myself more than I loved Jesus. Can anybody kind of relate to that a little bit? There was a moment in my life eight years ago or so where I had the honor and the privilege to go to the underground church in China. Um, big, tall, fat American having to wear hoodies and hide myself. And it's like I couldn't hide myself. So they would actually try to sneak myself in and other people to the underground church. And I'm just letting you know, it was the most incredible humbling experience of my life. Because here are people, human beings, just like you and I, have normal 95-ish jobs that would sacrifice their lives for the sake of learning about Jesus and singing about Jesus and giving and whatever that the, the church. And because of this persecution, knowing that literally at any time, um, the Chinese government could kick in the doors, like literally, and end up arresting everyone and sending people to prison and to jail and to even kill them on the spot if they saw fit. And I'm like, how could a people just like you and I believe and just love God this much? So one evening at really 1 a.m. in the morning, um, the missionary was able to sneak me into um, into his apartment. At that moment, we sat down and I looked at him and I said simply, how? Why? And he actually looked at me kind of bewildered and be like, Just, why not? These people that we're ministering in mainland China, they understood what it means to be all in with Jesus. And he responded in a couple like practical things, and he said simply this, the church of Jesus Christ is actually healthiest under persecution. So pray that those in your church are persecuted. Easier said than done, right? Easy to pray about it, but it's like, uh, you just used the P word. Yeah, persecution, that's, that's not for me. I, I like my American life. I like my comfortable church. I like the comfortable seats. And I just, I like my comfort. Then he said, another thing is to do is to pray that the church is unified with joy in the seasons that people are going through. I don't know about you, but you look at the Church of Jesus Christ in America and that's so divided. From denominations to political sides are so divided. And he's like, just pray that the church is unified with joy in the seasons of life that people are going through. And then he said this, Pastor Dave, pray 
that yourself and church leaders inside your church go to prison for the sake of Jesus Christ. I'm like, well, hold on, hold on. We're, we're getting a little personal here. It's like, I'll pray for the church to be persecuted. I'll pray for all this stuff, but me go to prison? Why, I ask. And he's like, because that is what the mainland church in China, that's their seminary. They go to prison, literally, to draw closer to God so that when and if they're released, they're even more on fire for the sake and glory of God. I'm like, I don't necessarily want my church to pray for that, but okay, sure. Long story short, ladies and gentlemen, the church in China are people just like you and I. Their freedoms are taken away, but their freedom in Christ is not. They don't fear death. They don't fear imprisonment. They don't fear offending people. Now they do with kindness and love. But when you look at the church of Jesus Christ, us here in America, we see a, little, a whole bunch of sissies and pansies and being afraid of offending people. I want to be politically correct. I'm here to tell you, today's passage should shake us up. In fact, as Rachel prayed earlier, this is my, always my fear on Sunday mornings. It's like, oh, I've, been, I've heard about persecution before. That's for them, not for me. Well, I've heard about Jesus Christ, so I'm going to take a nap and get on my phone and then tweet a, a good religious statement to make myself feel um, religious. I want, you to, I want you to literally be on the same page with me and be in tune. If you normally sleep during our church services, wake up. If you normally tune off and don't pay attention, wake up. Because I believe that if we as the church of Jesus Christ, let's start with us, really love Jesus more than we love our families, our jobs, our careers, even ourselves, we'll be in the center of God's will and able to persevere any persecution, hatred, or whatever that will come our way. May today you and I long to be hated, long to be persecuted, long to be bold. That's my prayer for us. Again, easier said than what done. So may this be the case for you and I. So why don't we pray that we actually are convicted about this and move on to the passage at hand. Sound good? All right, one person's excited to pray for that. Okay, here we go. Lord, you know our hearts are deceitful above all else. You know our hearts desire to be comfortable, liked, esteemed. But Jesus, you modeled humility, suffering, even the point of death and death on the cross. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will fill my lips with your word, and may it not be my words preached, but your words. And may we all truly be in tune to what we need to work on because it's easy lord to just come to a church service it's easy to um, wear our crosses and our christian t-shirts where rubber meets the road is when you are calling us through you ultimately to place you lord of our life allow us to understand this today and i pray for persecution for myself and for this church, not self-induced, but spirit-led 
through being obedient to you. For this I pray, for your sake and your glory. I pray all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? All right, so we're at Luke chapter 12. So we have these things called journals. They kind of look like this. My friend Tim is going to be passing them out. They're free, one per person. If you have a journal, make sure you take some notes. Be ready. We're going to highlight some stuff. If, this, if you are new to Catalyst Church um, or don't have a journal, really one per person, raise your hand and we will pass them out. My friend Tim has passed it out. All right, anybody? All right, one right here. If not, all right, here we go. Thank you. I see a couple of you guys picked them up on the way in. Here we go. We are in week 772 in the book of Luke, so it might seem. But we're only week Luke 12. We're ending Luke 12, and this is the beauty. I'm going to rehash a little bit of Luke 12 um, as, as Jesus is kind of drum rolling towards this crescendo that he's talking about. He started in the very beginning in Luke 12. He says, fear not, fear the, do not fear the person who can kill the body, but fear the one who can kill basically you and throw you into, into hell. We see that in Luke 4 and 6. Um, 8 through 12 in verse um, chapter 12, it says, we need to make sure we acknowledge Christ before men. We should not be ashamed of acknowledging Christ before men. We've talked about this ongoing, on being unashamed about the gospel. And also we talked about in Luke chapter 12, 13 through 21, to not lay for ourselves treasures on earth, but lay for ourselves treasures where? In heaven. So that's where our goal is. So everything is like heavenly focus, knowing that this earth we're just passing through. Let our attention be on Him, resulting in do not be anxious about your life. Look at the birds, look at the grass. They're all clothed and we're all fed. Don't worry, it's going to be okay. Your Father in heaven already knows what you need before you even pray and ask for it. It says in Luke chapter 22, um, Verse 22 to 34. And then, then he gets to the root of the matter, and he simply says this. Be ready. Be ready. Be ready and faithful because Jesus is coming back and will judge faithlessness. Please hear me. There's a judgment coming that in Christ you do not have to fear. But there's a judgment coming that for those of you who are religious need to fear. There's a judgment coming for those who play church need to fear. There's a judgment coming, and I love you enough, whether I know you or not, I love you enough to say, so should you, if you don't know Jesus. So today we're going to see a passage that Jesus has taken all this teaching and summarizes into almost like a rally cry, this conclusion um, of this this statement. Why? Because he loves you. He loves me. And he does not want you to face judgment. So would you turn again to Luke chapter 12? I'm going to read it. Um, and in your journals uh, or in your Bible, um, if you want to highlight any things that just kind of jumps out at you, and I'll give you a couple things to highlight. Here we go. Verse 49, I... Jesus, I came to cast what? Fire on earth. And would that it already be kindled? I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my what? Distress until it's accomplished. Verse 51. Do you think I have come to give what? Peace on earth, and his answer is what? 
No, so I'm going to say this again. I'm going to read it because I want to make sure you know that it, this is what Jesus says. He says this. Do you think I have come to give what? Peace on earth? And the answer is no. So he, he's basically saying, it's like, I have not come to bring peace. And you're like, Jesus, check, check it out. You're the prince of peace, but you're not here to give me peace. You're here to give something else. What are you talking that doesn't That would not sell a Christian t-shirt. Jesus says, I have not come to give peace. That would not probably sell very well in America, would it? Would it sell very well in America? Absolutely not. It's like, Jesus is love. Jesus is grace. Jesus is mercy. Jesus loves you. Yes, I do. Jesus loves me. How about you? There's the people that grew up in the 90s. Okay, so, so listen. The answer is, no, he did not come to bring peace. And I'll explain that in a few minutes. But he said this. I tell you, but rather what? Division. But rather division. And he goes on to explain a little bit. For from now on, one house, there will be five. What's the next word? Divided. So there were five divided, three against two, two against three. They will divide father against son, son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, mother-in-law against uh, against. Um, her, her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against, against uh, mother-in-law. Um, kind of, oh, I just have an idea. That should be put into a TV show. That mothers fighting against daughters and the whole drama-filled people, and they're like yelling across the way, and oh, an idea. I could be a host and then hold up the microphone. Why do you hate Aunt Susie? Well, this, then, the other. Why do you hate them? And then, like, they take off their, their clothes, and they're, like, kicking, screaming, and they jump on top of each other. Oh, wouldn't that be a great, great show in America? It already exists. What is it called? Jerry Springer Show. All right. <laughs> but that's, that's what it sounds like. It's like they're going after each other, Jerry Springering each other. That's, that's what he's saying. And Jesus like, that's what I've come to do. I'm like, Dave, what are you talking about? We're talking about it. Okay, here we go. Let's continue on. Verse 54. He also said to the crowd, when a cloud rises on the west, um, you say at once, a cloud is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the, the south wind blowing, you said a scorching wind, and it happens. You what? Hypocrites. You what? Hypocrite. All right, you can say hypocrite in church service. All right, so read it with me. You what? Hypocrite, you know how to interpret the appearance of the earth and the sky, but why do you not know how, how to interpret? Why do you not know how to interpret this present time? And then 57. And why do you not judge for yourself what is what? What is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make every effort setting um, to settle things with him on the way, lest he drags you to the judge, and the judge at hand will bring you, send you to the officers, and the officers will put you in prison. And I tell you, you will never get out until you paid the last penny, which simply means it's for eternity." What does all of this mean? And what, how that can it relate to each and every one of us? Well, I'm going to do my dead level best to explain. The very first um, part of it is verse 49 again is, I, Jesus, came to cast what? Fire on the earth. And I wish it was already 
kindled. So this is what we need to know from the very, very beginning. This word fire actually um, means judgment. This judgment, and Jesus says, I have come to cast judgment on the earth, and I wish judgment was already here. So from the very beginning, we need to know that judgment is coming. And this is that fire that he's talking about here. So Jesus is like, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. So Jesus is seen into the future down here that what is coming? What's coming? What's coming? Okay, judgment is coming. So there will be a day, it's called Judgment Day. Judgment has come. And at this moment, what do you think for us? It is too what? It's too late. It's too late. There, this day has not come yet. Judgment day has not come, but it is coming. And Jesus is saying like, it is what? It is coming, but it's not now and it's not here, but it's sometime in the middle of this timeline. And I'm letting you know from the very beginning, it could be today. Jesus Christ could come back today. This is why he's continuing to shout, be ready and be ready and be ready and be ready. So let me encourage you with, with this thought. Jesus wants this fire to come, all right? It's kind of like, have you ever seen like an action movie where this angry dad, is, his daughter is taken and he's like, he goes all commando because he's like a SEAL unit person or whatever, all hidden. And he's like, I want peace. And he's like, you stole my daughter. That, that's a movie. So he grabs a gallon of um, uh, gasoline and he pours all over this Ferrari that this rich drug dealer has or whatever. And he has this line of, of like gasoline and he's like, yeah, ha, ha, ha. Lights the match and what does he do? He's all throws it over his back and it lights up and he's like, Phew. he's like, that's the wrath that is. But Jesus has not litten it yet. He's, the wrath is coming. This judgment day is coming, but he has not lit it. But he's saying in this passage, I want it now. Why does he want it now? It's because he wants everything to be complete. He wants everything to be like it was. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, where everything was right, and then sin entered the world, a.k.a. this disaster. And he's like, I just want to light this up and like burn it to the ground and start all over. That's what he's saying. It's like, I wish it was kindled now, but it's not. Why? Why, you might say, is like, why is it not kindled right now? What well, kind of answers in 1 Peter chapter 3, 8 through 10, it says, But do not overlook this, this one fact. Behold, that for the Lord one day is like what? A thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day. The Lord is not what? Slow to fulfill his promise. As some count as slowness. So it's like he's not slow to light the match, but he's promising that he's going to burn it to the ground. Sin is not okay with God, and he's going to promise that judgment, what, is coming. It will come, but he has not lit the match yet to burn it to the ground. Why? But he's patient towards you, not wishing that any should, what, perish but that all should reach repentance, turning from your sin and following Jesus. 
But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar. The heavenly bodies will be what? Burned and dissolved. And the earth and the works that have been done will be exposed. Please hear me. Judgment is coming. And you're like, Dave, you've said that seven or eight times. Let me say it a few more times. Judgment is coming to those who sin and fall short of the glory of God. This is a big but. Jesus says that I have, in verse 50, I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. This baptism that Jesus is talking about is the cross of Jesus Christ. This baptism is, I have a cross to go to be baptized in my own blood, the suffering of sin and death to be taken on myself. And he's like, I'm distressed about this. And you're like, but I think, didn't Jesus say that he, was, he came to the cross, he wanted to die, and so on and so forth? Listen, listen to what it says in Luke chapter 22. And he says he withdrew with them, stone throw away, and he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Remove this baptism of blood and pain and suffering. Remove it from me. Nevertheless. And can I get an amen for that? Nevertheless. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then some angels appeared to him. Why? Because he was in agony. And blood started to drip from his face because he was in such agony. We kind of get this. That this wasn't, oh, Jesus died for me. I'm going to wear the cross and be okay. No. What did Jesus Christ do? In the flesh, he was stressed about the pain and the suffering that he was going to go through. I, I don't know about you, but the, have you ever been so anxious that you just, like, freak out? I mean, there was a point in my life, and I won't go into too much detail, that I got a phone call um, from somebody, and they told me some bad news, and literally, literally, I was so paralyzed, I could not move. This person, are you there? Are you there? Are you there? And I'm like, and my eyes started to go, like, back and forth. Have you ever, I was having like a stress attack, whatever. Uh, I was in agony. I could not move. I'm like, I, I, I could not even speak. This was Jesus times 100, knowing that he was about to go to the cross. And it wasn't one of these figment of imaginations. Oh, there's a cross. You're going to die. I know he walked by it every time he went anywhere close to a Roman legion. Why? Because they would place these people up on the cross and almost force people who are watching to watch the excruciating death. So Jesus knew that that was his purpose. That was his, God's plan. And ultimately, he went to the cross for you and for me, taking on this painful death even death on the cross. It says this, that Jesus himself in Philippians chapter 2, Jesus humbled himself, became obedient, even to the point of death, even death on the cross. For our sake, he made him sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So this but is a big but. Judgment is coming 
it's not here yet. So what does Jesus do? Jesus offers salvation. It's a free gift that he's given to you and to I, to all who would believe. This salvation was an excruciating salvation for him, but he loves you. So here's my ask. For the rest of the sermon, from here on out, we're going to be talking about to those who actually believe in Jesus, like, like literally believe in Jesus. The rest of the sermon is for Christians or Christ followers. If you're in this room or online, and if you're like, I don't know if I'm truly saved. And when judgment comes, there would be a consequence called hell. Why? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God so loved the world that he gave himself up for those, even on the cross. He demonstrates his love for you that while you were still sinners, he died for you. So think about this, and you can just tune me out. You have permission, just kind of tune me out for the rest. But just think about this. When judgment day comes, when Jesus Christ comes back, or you die and you face judgment, are you confident in Christ, or are you confident in yourself and your good works? It's Christ and Christ alone, by his grace and faith in him. Mull over that. You don't need to come down at an altar. You don't need to sing, sing a holy song. You just need to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I repent and turn from my sins, and I turn my life over to you as Lord. I confess my, with my mouth that you are Lord and believe in your heart that, God, you rose from the dead. I place you as Lord. So for those of us who are Christ followers, there is a next part of this. So, judgment is coming. Jesus says, I wish it was here. He paid the ultimate price for you, for all who believe. Now there's a life to be lived for his glory. So what do we do with the salvation that we're in? Jesus clearly says here in Luke chapter 12, verse 50, do you think I've come to give peace on earth? And his response was, to what? No, I have come to bring division. So in this case, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus Christ has come not only to give us be at peace. You're like, Dave, he just said he didn't come to bring peace. Hold on. So, be at peace, but we should also be, what did he just say there? Divided. And you're like, okay, Dave, okay, I, I, I'm, I'm trying to understand this. Is he, is he I'm going back on his word? The answer is no. Listen, peace is found internally forever. Division happens externally to a world that does not have faith in the faith that you and I have. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't fear death. I mean, seriously, anybody fear death in this room? All right, a couple of people, thank you for honesty. I don't fear death. I mean, I don't feel, I mean, if I die with a heart attack today, to live as Christ and to die as gain. Why do I not fear death? Because I have peace with God through his salvation, and I don't have to worry about the judgment because of him. But watch this. 
but I just don't want to have like an ingrown toenail that gets fungus and then comes up my leg and eats me, eats my leg, and then I lose this leg, and then it comes up my leg. I don't want to be in pain when I die. Anybody with me? Okay, okay, okay. Listen, this is what he's talking about. You have peace that surpasses all understanding in Christ Jesus. So you have peace internally forever. That's what he offers. But what he's saying in this passage is if you place Jesus as Lord, not only will you have peace, but you will be divided with this world. People will hate you. Welcome to Christianity. People will despise you. People will think that you're Jesus free. People will just think that you're weird. Let them think all you want to that you're weird because you're at peace. This world will hate you. In fact, here's a couple of things. If you place Jesus as Lord, priority of your life, above your career, above your jobs, above your spouses, above all else, these are a few things that might happen. He, as Jesus is Lord, will be your priority above anyone. Anyone. Remember, I come back from Southeast Asia and I said, I've learned that Jesus needs to be a priority over you, my beautiful wife. I mean, let's just pause on this for a second. Jesus as Lord means priority over anyone. Let's be real. Anyone not only includes your family and your kids, and that your family and your kids are important, but who should be more important? Jesus. I've seen many different sporting events. And again, coming to a church on a Sunday does not save you, but it's a show of a heart's desire. It's just like, you know what? Um, there's a sporting event, so I'm just going to go to this sporting event instead of worshiping Jesus. Oh, I don't feel very good today, so I'm going to just um, stay in bed, stay online. So if you're online, I'm sorry, I'm also talking to you. I'm going to stay at, uh, but I'm not going to worship as, as a group. I'm not going to come to the Bible, so I'm not going to grow, I'm not going to serve. Why? Because yourself becomes the Lord, not Jesus as Lord. Do your children, does your family, does your job, does your coworkers, do your family, are they Lord or is Jesus Lord? That's what he's saying. He's like, if I'm Lord, Jesus says, it will bring division. Not only will it bring division, but he will also bring priorities above anything else. Also, having Jesus Lord is his word is our, uh, is, his word is yours um, to follow. So this beautiful Bible that we have the opportunity to, to read every week and to every day. Do you believe that everything in this word is worthy to be followed? Yes or no? Then you are an idiot according to culture. You're like, you're going to believe this ancient book that just talks about sexuality as a sin. This book that says, you know what? It's about humility, not about greed. It's about Jesus is the only way. You're an idiot. If Jesus is Lord, it will bring 
division. May that be the case for you and for me that we know what the word says, not what we think the word says, and that we unite over what it says. Not what culture says it's okay, but what it says. Also, it'll bring mission. Also, it'll bring hate. Others will hate you. Also, it'll bring that others will not understand you. If Jesus is Lord, you will be persecuted. If you believe in Lord Jesus Christ and he is Lord of your life, the world will disown you. And the world will also fully disagree with you. Are you willing to take that sacrifice or are you just a coward? Thanksgiving is coming up. Like in most American families, there's two things you never discuss around the Thanksgiving table, and those are what, what two things? Politics and what? Religion. I'm here to tell you, yes, politics should not be talked about at the dining room table, but Jesus should. Are we like, oh, that's a rule that we've had our entire life, um, but so I don't want to offend somebody. <sighs> Judgment is coming to your friends and your family at that dining room table. Now, I want you to hear me. I wrote down the statement. This division is not self-induced, prideful, hateful, judgmental division um, of religion and self-glorification. What it means is this. If you're sitting around that dining room table, or this goes to any, just using the dining room table at Thanksgiving, it's like, we're not talking about religion and we're not talking about politics. Yes, let's not talk about politics, but let's talk about Jesus. Why? Because if we talk about Jesus... Maybe salvation will be brought to your family. But if you and I enter that dining room table, and you're like, yeah, I'm going to prove them all wrong, and you sit down and you say your holy prayer, Jesus, thank you for the turkey and the ham and all this stuff. And I pray for Aunt Susie that she doesn't burn in hell for the rest of her life if she does not turn to Jesus. You see what I'm talking about? That's not the way to go. The way is living a life of integrity for the glory of God, and being so bold at the dining room table, even though culture might say, that's not what we talk about. You talk about what's the most important in your life. And that is Jesus as who? Lord. May we enter this division with an unashamed life in this dark world, leading us to be hated leading us to be isolated, leading us to have divisions and disagreements and persecution more towards you because of Jesus Christ in you. And I love these verses. Romans 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God that brings what? So if you're ashamed of the gospel, if you're ashamed of Jesus, what are you taking off of the table between things that could divide? A salvation opportunity in the salvation story. Salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Second Timothy three, twelve through thirteen. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life will be what? Will be persecuted. You will be hated. It's going to happen. You might not be beheaded, you might not be put into prison, but you might be hated by your family. Again, I'm if you're an egotistical butthead. Just, you need to repent. But if you are true, heartfelt desire for the salvation of your family, co-workers, 
live for Christ unapologetically, knowing you will be persecuted. And John chapter 15, verse 18, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it has hated you. If, the, if you were of this world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you, what? Out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I have said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they what? They what? They will also persecute you. Persecute you. If you keep my what words, they will also keep yours. But also th- these things will be these things they will do to you on account of my name. Jesus says because they do not know him who sent him. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, maybe the case for you and for me that were unapologetic about the gospel of Jesus Christ, knowing that Jesus came not to bring peace to your family, a kumbaya moment, but to bring what? Division. You can be at peace, but you also need to have peace as Jesus Lord, knowing that the peace of God that surpasses all understanding, I don't know why this is dividing, will bring division. The passage also mentions another so. Because judgment is coming, and Jesus has already told us, if you don't place your faith and trust in him, it's too late. Turn to Jesus today and live a life of peace and division. But at the same time, we also need to be, we need to be ready to see the signs that who is coming? Jesus is coming soon. These signs that we see everywhere are God's way to say, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon, I'm coming soon. The passage here was clear. It's like, you know when the rain's coming, you know when the heat's coming, you know when when the weatherman says it's going to rain and it doesn't because you're like, it's not going to rain today. Okay, give, give the idea. But the signs are everywhere, all around it. So, elephant in the room, Israel. Is Israel a sign that Jesus is coming back? Yes or no? Yes. Is that biblically true? Here's your answer. Israel has always been in turmoil. This is just our generation to see the Israel in turmoil. Scripture talks about these cycles of rumors of wars and things happening and things going to happen. And this is our generation. Could this be the end? Very possibly. It looks like it's heading that direction. But in four weeks, three years, we look back and say, yeah, Israel's now at peace or Israel's taken over. Israel's whatever. And Jesus Christ has not come back. Does that mean he hasn't kept his promise? No, we don't know, but it it looks like it. It looks like something's off. I want you to listen to me. There are signs everywhere. And maybe you're here at Catalyst Church or watching online is because you know that the world is all jacked up. You know that there's wars happening. There's just something in you that says something's different. Christians, no greater time 
the now to put yourself to the side and place Jesus as Lord of your life as a lighthouse so that the world can see that you're at peace. So in this turmoil of signs and where Jesus is coming back, instead of looking at the YouTube channels and be like, oh, I have to click on that because the, the, the profile basically has this guy prophesying about Israel's like, like this is the end of the world. Guess what? The Bible has told you he's coming back sooner today than he was when? Yesterday. So believe this, not a YouTube person. All right, so if that's the case, the YouTube person might be pointing to the Bible. It doesn't matter. Could Jesus Christ come back today? And Israel could start keep fighting. I don't know. It matters about you and I seeing the signs in front of you. And the sign is simply this. Jesus has told you, you do not need to fear. It, Jesus has said, these things are going to happen. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. When in the early church, you see it in Thessalonians, the early church like is like, Jesus is coming back. He says he's going to come back. So what did they do? They quit their jobs. They, they, like, they stopped working. They stopped doing life. And the apostle Paul's like, stop. Stop not working. Go back to work and be the light of Jesus because he ain't back yet. How awesome would it be is like if you're in a construction place, you're like hitting the hammer thingy on the little thingy, like, like the, whatever, you're in nail. That's what it's called. Okay, you're hitting the nail and all of a sudden it's just like you hear the trumpet and then it's like Jesus is coming. Hey, Jesus, come on back. Make everything right. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yes, the, the, the answer should be yes, yes, yes. But there's people all around you, all around you that are watching you and say, they're just the same as me. Why should I believe in the Jesus if their life has not changed? May we be a people that we live so in love with Jesus as Lord that when people see the signs, they're searching for answers and we get to say simply like this, Jesus is coming back. Israel could be a sign. The things that is happening in your life could be a sign. They're all around you. And the reason why Jesus called these people hypocrites, because Jesus himself had fulfilled almost 300 prophecies that says he was the Messiah. And since he was the Messiah, he called them hypocrites. It's like, I am the chosen one. Look at all the signs and things that are pointing to me, and you're still hypocrites, and you're leading me to the cross. And he was okay with that. I want you to know that if you do not have Jesus as your Savior, how many more signs is he going to tell you and show you that he's coming back and he loves you? Turn to him. Christ followers, listen. How much more are you going to live a life of sin and you say you believe in Jesus Christ? Oh, repent. Turn to him today. And this is what the last part of this passage was saying. It was saying clearly, that on your way to the on your way to the magistrate on your way to judgment day there will be an accuser that will go with you and for those of you who don't know this accuser is satan satan comes with you in life and he is trying to steal kill and destroy and this satan the accuser as a while you're going through life make the point to make things right with your accuser and I'm letting you know, Satan has lots of ammunition on you. 
Do you know that secret sin that nobody knows about? Who knows about it? Satan. But also Jesus does. Satan, you see this in the book of Job, comes to God the Father and says, yeah, you know, you know Daryl? Yeah. <laughs> Here's a list. Oh, let me let it go. Here's the list. <laughs> All right. Here's the list of accusations that I have against Daryl. And Jesus is like, my blood's covered that because of my sacrificial love for Daryl. And he keeps trying, he keeps trying, he keeps trying. This is what the passage says. Make every effort to come to the judge, be making things right, because if you don't, on judgment day, there will be a moment where he will look at us and say, have you been? Be ready. Be ready. And right with God. And how's the only way that we can be right with God? In Jesus as Lord. Because, ladies and gentlemen, there will be a day that this line will be crossed. And it's not too late for you to place your faith and trust in him. Be at peace and be divided. Be ready. See the signs. And be ready and be made right with God before judgment comes. If you're not a believer of Jesus Christ, judgment is coming. Salvation is offered to you. But if you're a Christ follower... There are souls of life that we need to live. So be divided. So be at peace. So be ready. Because if not, the devil will drag you in front of Jesus, the judge, have a list of accusations, and Jesus will simply say, I never knew you. And throws you into the prison called hell. For those of us who are in Christ, be at peace. Be at peace when the signs of the world look like everything's going crazy. Be at peace. Be at peace that when you enter a dining room table at Thanksgiving or any time, live for Jesus and you will be hated, you'll be despised, you'll be rejected by men, but you won't be rejected by Jesus because he's the Lord. What are some sins in your life that you keep doing that you need to repent from? Knowing that Jesus Christ cleanses us from all of our righteousness when we confess our sins to him. So, we're going to spend just a little bit of time of reflection. And I really, listen, it's easy to be like, man, this has been a long sermon. I just want to go. I just want to leave. But listen, give me just a few more minutes. More importantly, let God speak to your life. Where are you in this? Do you need Jesus? Do you love yourself and you love your family more than you love Jesus as the Lord? Then you're not going to be divided. Are you ready for his return? What things do you need to repent from? Bow your head and close your eyes. Jesus, thank you that you are the God of second chances. 
And Lord, if there's anybody here online that has not placed their faith and trust in you, I pray that they will know that their sin divides, but your grace unites. In this, we come to you and say, this is my life. It's yours, God. I don't understand all about the Bible. I don't understand how this all works, but it's about simple, childlike faith. And maybe you're here today and you've just been molding around this truth. And if you're like, Dave, I just, judgment day is coming, but I don't have peace. Maybe the peace that you don't have is because you don't know Jesus. With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, how many are you in this room that can honestly say, you know what? I really believe I need Jesus. And I want to receive the gift of salvation through faith in him, turning from your sins, and saying yes to him as Lord. If this is you in this room, with everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, just pop up your hand and put it right back down. All right, good. Go ahead and put your hand down. A prayer does not save you. It's your heartfelt surrender to Jesus Christ as Lord. Maybe tell Jesus something like, Jesus, I am a sinner, and I believe that you are the Savior, that you came, you died, and you rose again for the forgiveness of my sins. I surrender to you as Lord. Catholic Church, if you could look at me, please. When we recognize the agony that Jesus went through for our salvation, it should lead us to complete surrender to him, knowing that when judgment day comes, we're at peace. But there's an unbelieving world that needs to know about him. Why are we afraid when we don't have to fear death? Why are we afraid when we have life in him? Well, maybe it's because you really don't believe in this big, beautiful God that we serve. What if you and I truly put Jesus as the Lord of our life, above our family, above our careers, above our life ourselves, and simply say, my body, my life is yours. Until you return, may I be awake and ready, seeing that you're coming soon. Thank you for the salvation you offer. Now I surrender to you as Lord. May that be the case for you and for me. Because remember, actions speak louder than what? Words. But let our words point to Jesus and thank him for his absolute amazing grace. Let's stand and sing.